looking on. Something wonderful has occurred since we last met. And that is, we have taken a few steps closer to that glory land. We have taken a few steps closer to eternity. And how thankful we are. Uh, in my mind, the sooner the better. Can't wait to get there. What about you? What about you? You, you looking forward to that glory land? I want to be there. I want to be ready to meet Him in the glory land. So thankful to have this opportunity today to worship, assemble, to meet around, meet with the Lord, commune with Him. And at this time, we want to study His Word. I want to begin in Psalm 100 and verse 3. Psalm number 100 and verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. I want us to focus on just one part of what we just read. Psalm 100 and verse 3. It is He who made us. It is He who made us. And from that I want us to ask this question, why? Why did God make us? Why did God create us? That's going to be our sole purpose this morning. Why did God create us? Now way over in Romans 11 and 33, we do read that there are some things we can't know. Some ways of God are past finding out. And we are jumping into some of the deeper waters of God, but I believe we, we have enough that the Lord has revealed to us so that we can tackle this question, why are we here? Why did the Lord create us in the first place? To move along this morning, I want us to first focus on two columns. The first column will be the negative column, and then the second column will be the positive column. So we're going to eliminate the negative and then come to the positive. Okay. There's some things that we can say. We're pretty sure that there are some reasons why God did not create us. In other words, there are some facts that we can know in regard to God, and we can say, well, this is not the reason that He created us. And then we can go to the positive reasons of why He did create us. So let's start on the left here on the negative, and then we'll go to the positive. On the negative, we can say it probably was not because God was lonely. It was most likely not because God was somehow lonely. You see, that would take away from who God is. All that we know about God is He is absolutely perfect. He's absolutely perfect in all of His qualities. He is infinite. And He is infinite to the infinite degree. There is no weakness in Him. He is absolutely the most powerful, most perfect, absolute, infinite person we could ever consider in all of our thoughts. He cannot be more powerful than He is powerful. He cannot be more all-knowing than He is all-knowing. He's never had a new idea because all of His thoughts are eternal. God. The Bible presents God as the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. 
There are three personalities that have the God nature. But God is one. Each one, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all have every quality of being God. And so it's not because God is somehow lonely. God is totally sufficient in and of Himself. Psalm 90, verse 2, says, Before the mountains were brought forth, and before you ever formed the earth and the world, from everlasting unto everlasting, thou art God. So probably not, he did not create us because he was lonely. Alright, second place on the, on the negative side here. It probably wasn't because somehow He needed us. It wasn't because He needed us that He created us. When the Apostle Paul addressed the philosophers in the city of Athens, he said some particular things, but he wanted to present to them the true God. And notice in Acts 17, verses 24 and 25, he presents to them the true God. And he says, the God that made the world and everything in it, He being Lord of heaven and earth, He dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is He he served with men's hands, notice this, neither is He served with men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing that it is He Himself who gave to all life, breath, and all things. Acts 17, 24, and 25. It's not because God somehow needed us. We have nothing that God needs. We have nothing that God needs. But He has everything that we need. Amen? He has everything that we need. We are the ones that have the flaws. We are the ones with our sins. We are the ones with our weaknesses. We are the ones that refuse to grow. We're the ones that need Him. And Jesus says in John 15 and verse 5, Without me you can do nothing. And that is so very true. We're the ones that need the Lord. The Lord doesn't need us. Still on the negative side, in the third place, on the negative side here, he didn't create us somehow for, uh, in, in order to inflate His own ego. We know the Lord did not create us in order to inflate... He wasn't egotistical. Okay. He didn't create us in order to try to make Himself feel better or be bigger, be better or be bigger in the sight of Himself or anybody else. That's just not the Lord at all. We know that when Jesus came to this earth, He presented Himself as a meek and lowly servant, Matthew 11, 28-30. Our being here and our service to God does not enhance Him whatsoever. Now, a good verse to study on this idea is John 17, verse 5. John 17, 5, Jesus is on His way to the Garden of Gethsemane. But he stops to have a powerful prayer in the presence of his apostles. 
John 17. Jesus first prays just personally between him and the Father. And he said, and of course you know, that Jesus is on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, but he's also on the way to the cross. He will be crucified. He will be raised that third day. He will then walk on this earth for 40 days, and he will ascend up on high. He's thinking about that time. He's going to go back up on high to be with the Father. And so in John 17, 5, Jesus says to the Father, Father, glorify thou me with the glory that I had with you before the world ever existed. Now there's a lot in that verse, but here's something we can see. Apparently, apparently the glory that the Father and the Son and the Spirit has right now is the same degree of glory that they had before the world ever came into existence, before any of us came along. There's no difference between the glory that the Lord had before He created the world and the glory that the Lord now has. It's the same degree of glory. And so our being here, this world being here, our service to Him, our worship of Him has not enhanced Him whatsoever. He just fully and totally is the Lord on His own. How thankful we are. So now let's let's go to the positive side and ask ourselves, well, why why did God create us? Let's give three reasons that we can know that God created us. Each of these reasons will have the foundation of knowledge, of learning. There are really two types of knowledge. The first type is what we call um, intuition. Intuitive. Uh, This is knowledge that all of us have. We basically just absorb it from our environment. We learn it and we do it by routine. When we learn to drive a car, the next time we get into the car, we don't have to ask ourselves, well, why, how do I do this? What do I do? We just do it. When we get up in the morning, we get ready to go somewhere. We learn it the first time. We don't have to think about it another time because we have learned that by routine. There are many things in society. We just, we just gather that knowledge Almost automatically. Almost on autopilot. Everybody walking around has that kind of knowledge. But then there's that second knowledge. This is what we emphasize at church. It's that knowledge that we choose to get. It's that knowledge we choose to obtain. It's that knowledge we we obtain from God, especially from the Word of God, that we, that we need in our hearts and our minds. We need to organize it and, and think about it and analyze it and put it into our, our lives and help it to, and let that help us live better. As Jesus says in, in Matthew 4, verse 4, standing against uh, Satan in the wilderness, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now those, that statement has both of those knowledge types in there. Everybody basically learns how to get bread. Okay, that's routine knowledge. Everybody walking around somehow knows 
they're going to be hungry, they've got to eat, so they learn how to get food. But then he says, man doesn't live by that. Man lives by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, with that in mind, let's think about three reasons why God did put us here. Why did, why did God create us? Reason number one is to learn of His greatness and then surrender to Him. That's reason number one. Why did God create us? To learn of His greatness and surrender to Him. That is to say, what I mean by that is that once we begin to learn of God's greatness, then there will be no other recourse, be no other path except to just simply surrender to Him. God's greatness. We could spend all day, all week long talking about God's greatness. Just, just consider God's creation of the universe. Genesis 1 verse 1, God, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. We read from Psalm 100 at, at the beginning, It is he who made us and not uh, we ourselves. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were, were framed by the word of God and so that the things that we do now see were not made by things which do appear. God is a creator. Think about his power in relation to creating this universe. And especially notice David's words in Psalm 8 verses 3 and 4. He said to the Lord, and you can just picture David out keeping the sheep at night. And he stops to praise the Lord. He said, Lord, when, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the sun, moon, and stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you have visited him? Have you thought about God's power in relation to the universe lately? Have you tried to grasp, are you able to grasp the enormity of the universe? Let me answer that for you. No, you are not. You can't do it. Because you see, the universe has no borders. There's no border crisis in the universe because there are no borders. We don't have a clue how far the universe goes. No north, south, east, or west. It's just an expanse, and we don't know how far it goes. A British astronomer tried to explain it this way. He was standing in front of a chalkboard. He turned around and put one dot on the chalkboard. He said, let that be the sun. One inch away, he put another dot. He said, let that be the earth one inch away. And then he related this, of course, there are 93 million miles between the sun and the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that, God has got me at that point. That's enough for me. If he's able to create a universe that has 93 million miles in it and the earth and the sun are just hanging up there, that's enough for me. What about you? Okay, but, of course, he wasn't finished. This astronomer wasn't finished. He said, now keep this scale of one inch. One inch equals 93 million miles. He said, keep that in mind. That's going to be our scale. And then he said, if you were to try to go to the next star 
in the universe, then you would have to expand your chalkboard four miles to get to the next star. Remember, you're keeping one inch on this great big chalkboard equals 93 million miles. But he wasn't finished. He said, if you were try to just travel halfway up our galaxy, we live in the Milky Way galaxy, as you know, if you were to just try to travel halfway up our galaxy, then you would have to expand your chalkboard 25,000 miles. So he said, now keep your scale in mind. You've got a 25,000 mile long chalkboard and every inch on that represents another 93 million miles. And that's only going halfway up our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And in this great universe, the Milky Way galaxy is one of a billion, one of a billion galaxies. Who created all of this? The God that you serve in these scriptures created all of this. Don't you think that the reason that we're here is to learn more about His greatness? Let that saturate us so that we can see the best thing for anybody is to simply surrender. Let it go. Surrender to His will. If we would do this, our doubts would be chased away. Our fears would go to the window and be, and be let out. Scientists say that the human body is remarkable. and We know it is. Your brain is able to hold a lot of material. It has the capacity. What they say is it has the capacity equal to a library that could hold 20 million books. 20 million books. Ken, next time Bertha starts doubting your intellect, you look at her and say, Bertha, look at my head here. Inside this head is the capacity to hold 20 million books. It's beyond our comprehension, really. But this is the God that we serve. Number one, to learn of His greatness and then surrender to Him. A second reason God has put us here is to learn of His love and be more like Him. To learn of His love and be more like Him. 1 John 4 and verse 8 simply says, God is love, but that's powerful. 1 John 4 simply says, God is love. This means that everything that God has ever done and ever will do issues from His love. Not just love, but His love. Remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about the one who is absolutely, infinitely perfect in all that he does. And so everything that he does, issues, comes forth from his love. God created us. It was a, an act of love, a moment of his love. 
I'm not sure that we have the ability to even talk about that, to describe that. I would invite you to just meditate on that for a long, long time. But here's the thing, here's the thing we know. Well, let me just ask it this way. Did God know what he was doing when he created us? Did God know that we would be sinners? Could God look beyond his creation and see who we would be before he created us? Yes. And yet he still created us from his love. God loving us is not something that just happened recently. He has been loving us for as far back as our mind could possibly go. It's an eternal love. Let's look over to 1 Peter 1, 18-20. Where Peter reminds us that Jesus' blood, precious as it is, was shed for us as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. And all this was foreknown. Notice it in 1 Peter 1, 20. All of this was foreknown before the foundation of the world. God already had the plan to save man before He made man. God already knew that His own Son Jesus would need to shed His blood in our behalf before the foundation of the world. But that... Just how much He loves us. We just can't even begin to really wrap our arms around it. Well, here's one thing we do know. We are put here to learn of His love and be more like Him. Everything that we do ought to be done out of love. And that's exactly what Paul says if you want to look at it in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, I can't spell everything out in life. Nobody can. I can't tell every step you ought to take, but I can tell you this. Those two ideas we've talked about so far are right on as far as Scripture goes. To learn of His greatness and surrender, to learn of His love and be more like Him, that will take an entire lifetime plus to explore what we've just talked about. But number three, to learn of His glory... And honor Him. That's why we're here. And I don't even know how to describe glory. It's just God's majesty plus. To learn of His glory. And to honor Him. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, He created us for His glory. Isaiah 43 7. He created us for His glory. And all that we can do is to find out what glorifies God, what brings glory to God, and then do that. That's why we're here. What is it that brings glory to God? That's why we're here. Do that. Do that. Most of this, I'm just leaving up to you to investigate. But we can say this. 1 Peter 4, verse 16 says, Let no one suffer as an evildoer, or a busybody, a meddler, 
or a thief. But if any man suffers, let him suffer as a Christian. And let him glorify God in this name, in this existence. And so we know that becoming a Christian, becoming a Christian, finding out what Christ is all about, responding to His love, submitting to Him, that's a way of honoring, one of the main ways of honoring our Lord, bringing glory to Him. We were studying this morning in class, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's why we're here, to surrender to Him, to do good works, to help other people see Jesus. That's why we are here. As we said a little bit ago, there are some things, many things I would say, us being human, God being who He is, way past us ever finding out. Perhaps we'll find out more when we get there in heaven. God does not leave us in the dark as to why we are here. He created us to learn of His greatness and surrender Him. To learn of His love and be more like Him. To learn of His glory and honor Him all the days of our lives. The invitation from our Lord comes to us at this moment. We live way down here on this side of the cross. This is the time in which all the Bible pointed to, really. The Christian age. The time of Jesus' reign. Jesus is on the right hand of God right now. and He's ruling. Let us submit to Him. Before Jesus left earth, He said, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Let us submit to Him. Jesus sent a message to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. He says, Be faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. Let us surrender. Let us submit to Him. If you have a need of the Lord this morning, let it be known right now as we stand together, as we sing.